Well, Ryan Williams, so amazing to have you on Talking Church. Have you been on the podcast before? I have not. Yeah. This is my first rodeo. 60-some episodes in, and uh, or 70, wherever we're at, and you're... Your first time. I mean it. Thank you for having me. I this can't is an believe awesome that. podcast. Thank you. Thank yep. you. It's been cool to see it grow. And uh, I have been wanting to talk to you for a while. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's a lot of people interested to hear. You, we, we were joking before. You're kind of mysterious. You're an introvert. <laughs> True, you're an introvert. Well, I mean, technically. But <laughs> right? I'm here talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> what would be your ideal, like, Saturday would you prefer to be at home? And obviously your kids, your family, but are, are you somebody at home where you need to go and shut the yeah. door and grab a guitar and like get get into a zone before you can go back to, to other people? Or is it just kind of a rhythm? Yeah, you mentioned my family and I have four awesome kids, but I grew up with just a brother. So our whole family was a family of four. And so everyone had space. And we didn't have a big house, but the house felt big because everyone could go to their own little corner of the house. And there's always just like breathing room and the volume was always low. And now my life now <laughs> is just completely opposite. Like <laughs> I, can't, you know, I can't escape a, ch- a child because they, they're just all over the place and it's loud, but there's a lot of joy. And um, so I really do love people. And to use the example of my family, I love being around my kids and my wife, obviously, in the same room. And then all I need is these little these little breaths where I'll go to a different level in the house for 10 minutes. And it sounds like a stereotype, but usually it's like collect my thoughts, write down a creative idea, tweet this little song thing in my head, and then I come back and I'm engaged and so... Yes, well, technically, introvert. Yes, yes. For for those you mentioned, creative idea. Maybe those listening who who don't know who you are, haven't listened to worship before. You've been on staff here for well over a decade, mm-hmm. and you helped start River Valley Worship over what, thirteen years ago. Yeah, which is crazy to think that it's been that long. And now there's been numerous different full length albums, tons of singles mm-hmm. along the way. We'll get into all that. But when you were an aspiring worship leader. Uh, I guess you can't say worship leader anymore. That term's trademarked. Um, aspiring uh, worship pastor. Um, w- did you did you dream of things like this or getting to record albums and traveling around and do conventions and stuff? Or was that not really a part of the plan? Yeah. I mean, talk about maybe that initial journey for maybe those who are out there who are right right at the beginning of maybe they're in college or they're in a an internship program or just getting started with grabbing a, a guitar yeah. uh, leading at their church yeah I'll try to connect it to the here and now but when it was when I was 20 years old you know um, around 2006 2007 it's almost comical to think back about how different worship music was then it wasn't that long ago but the movement was way different. And this idea of a worship pastor, worship leader, that was that looked totally different. And so I knew I had a call in my life early on to lead people in worship and to write songs. And I love the church. But I was convinced by the time I was 19 or 20, I was convinced that I was going to just do that as like a service to the church. Wherever church I was at, that's one way I would serve would be to lead worship. Because all the examples that I saw around me at great churches, 
uh, great uh, communities where the, the worship pastor or the worship leader, you know, led an orchestra, directed a choir, that type of thing. And I just didn't have any gifts like that. And so I kind of, <clears throat> I just never saw that path forward. Um, but it was right around that time, 2008, 2009, where things started happening around the globe with worship music and it sounding different and looking different. And it was just the perfect intersection for someone like me with my gifts, my strengths, to step into a role like that because I think that's God was doing something new around the globe at that time. And so shortly after that, you're leading at church, and then it leads to creating and writing songs. And I, I, I want to get to that, but if, did you ever f have a moment where I feel like a lot of worship leaders— they start getting success, if you call it that, or people notoriety mm -hmm. from the gifts that God's given them. And people start saying, you're a great singer, mm -hmm. you're a great songwriter, you're a great artist. Did you ever have a pull to go like try out for one of the singing shows mm -hmm. or go be a part of that and think, oh, maybe maybe the dream and the gifts that God's given me was to be a, a pop artist or a songwriter. Did you ever have that pull or was it always, no, I'm going to stay in the church? Again, that era was huge for... I think it was probably just American Idol at the time. Just everybody watched, everybody knew, and they were really um, pumping out like stars that people were would go from that show to doing something huge and doing huge things in the music industry. And I always had a love for all types of music and had an interest in, was always flexing that muscle of writing songs for church and outside of church. But at the end, end, of, the, end of the day, I realized that I'm probably the most, at, at the heart of who I am, the most um, passionate I am is being a songwriter. And I like the idea of writing the song, doing the work there, putting the time in and then handing it off, you know, and not having to sing that song right. for the next 20 years or something like that, you know. Yeah, your, your fear of having a big hit that you have to sing oh, over yeah. and over and over again. Honestly, that's like one of my biggest phobias. <laughs> and so... That helped me realize, oh, what I love most about, one of the things I love most about this process or these gifts is being a songwriter, mm -hmm. where the adventure or the challenge could change literally day after day because you've moved on to the next song or the next story. Talk about why that's so hard, maybe for people who aren't writers, but we, let's use Hope as a name as yeah, an sure. example, right? That's probably our most streamed song mm -hmm. around the world. Um, there's a couple other ones that are are starting to grow as well. But why is that hard? I mean, for, for people in the congregation, uh, if I can represent them, it's, oh, this is my song, this is my jam. Yeah, you hear, yeah. you, you know, I was at a, a church the other week, played a song from, I don't know, probably before 2000, mm -hmm. time when I was born. And it's, oh, I, I love this song. There's there's these old songs that have this nostalgic feel, but then there's the new songs and the freshness, but there's these songs that kind of find themselves in the middle that are, I love that song for some people, but as a leader, the person singing it over and over again, talk about that tension you feel of, oh, that's another song. Maybe there's people on worship teams out there who can resonate. Oh, is that song again? But then the congregation is going, that's the songs I want to sing. Obviously we have longer um, interactions with, with these songs and than the normal person, especially if you're the writer or the creator of it. You're, you know, that song, Hope Has a Name, to use the example, was written, I think, like 2015, 2016. Kind of toyed around with it in our church, 
But by the time it was released to the world, it was 2018. Mm -hmm. So already that's a long life. And now that song is still finding its way to different places yeah. that are surprising us. And so that's one factor is you're there at the the genesis of the song idea and you're carrying that song with you for a long, long time before anyone ever hears it. I think the other thing is for a lot of creative leaders, creative leadership, they're all about the new. They're, they're forward thinking, looking at the horizon, looking for the new thing. And uh, it's tied to our, you know, what am I achieving today? What am I... Um, what am I conquering today? What's that new song? My best songs are ahead of me. My best days are ahead of me. And to me personally, it's always felt like a bit of like laziness. Like I'm not going to rest on my laurels. I'm not going to rest on yesterday's song. Something I know that works. I'm not going to just put all my chips in that bucket and say, well, hope has a name. We solved it. We solved the sure. mystery. This is what a great song does or what it sounds like. And so I don't have to I don't have to work anymore. No, I have this like angst in me to dig deeper. And um, so I think that's where the, the intersection comes of, uh, man, I don't want to sing that song again. But if you have a servant's heart, you got to realize that people, people have these amazing encounters with songs that may be 10, 15, 20 years old. Sometimes it's a hard balance too to find I'm a real nostalgic person, you know, and I love things that are old and that bring back memories and, different feelings. And I think there are classic songs throughout history of the church that hold that power no matter when they were written, no matter when they right. came out. But there's that blurry line, you know, if a song is maybe five years old, 10 years old, you just don't want to feel like, oh, I'm trying to recreate sure. something that already happened and thus making it stale or or cheap. Right. Yeah. There's There's always that tension on the reverse side of it. What about songs that you love that aren't resonating with the congregation that you're leading or maybe a song you wrote that you feel this is the song, this is what's going to resonate, and then you lead it at church or you do it at a conference and it just doesn't resonate? Talk about that tension as well. I mean, it happens, happens, has happened a million times, and um, you just got to come back to the place of your gifts are here to serve, you're here to serve. Um, you know, we talk about all the time, like being in a, in a worship community, in a room with people, it's definitely not a concert. They're not coming to see you play X, Y, Z radio hits. So I'm always quick to respond to feedback from a room or from a congregation. And it's not like I'll never do that song again, but it definitely becomes a shorter leash or what we've done plenty of times is we've introduced a song and we've tweaked that song, rewritten sections of that song yeah. based on the response in the room. And it's such a, like writing church songs, is such a community thing. Yeah. And I just never want to lose sight of that. And I think there's still elements of being able to say, hey, let's go try this new thing together. Let's try this new place together where it's a new sound, a new song, a new type of, arrangement, a, a, a thought-provoking lyric. I think there's magic to that as well. But at the heart of it, it's always about serving these people. Mm -hmm. And I think it's cool to be maybe one, two steps ahead of them and bring them along with you as opposed to maybe being seven, eight steps ahead of them where just no one's with you. 
Can you expand that a little bit in terms of introducing a new song? And yeah. l- let's say, you know, for most people, it's not a song you've written, but it could be, yeah, sure. you know, but it, it's a song that's been completed, whether you wrote it yep. or it was, you know, hey, it's the mm-hmm. new, new song from yep. Hillsong or Bethel yep. or Elevation or wherever it's from that you resonated with and you want to introduce it. What is your process over the last, you know, couple of decades of leading worship, even at all our different campuses that you've learned is here's some of the best practices on introducing a new song to a congregation that's never heard it before. Yeah, very practical bullet points. It's like never put it, rarely put it as song one or song four. Sometimes there are new songs that you just know have just an irresistible truth or power to them. And so it's not really much of a risk Mm -hmm. to put it as song one or song four. But most of the time, like 90% of the time, put it in between two songs that are really well-received or really well-known. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can never really tell just by one time, you know, doing the song, whether that's a song I've written or not. You want to give the song, I've, it's always been like three or four times is that magic number of like, if you're doing it three or four weeks, you've taken in all the factors of even that room. It's like, you know, sometimes you're just in a room and weather or time of day, all is factored into how people respond Mm -hmm. and how engaged they are in worship. And sometimes you can get kind of a mess of like, you introduced a new song and there were some outside factors that didn't help. Mm -hmm. And so the song just felt awful. I mean, it happens. Yeah, you think about little things, right? Even for Minnesota in the snow. Oh yeah. There's a snowstorm and people are coming in late and then you introduce this new song and the, the room is, you know, one fifth full yeah. and you're going, wow, okay. It wasn't well received. Well, there was a lot of other factors in that situation. Um, a, a question on that, do you do you say, hey, this is a new song? And the reason why I ask mm-hmm. that is because historically I think that would that would work, right? People know the songs. But now you look at attendance patterns, people are coming once every three or four weeks. Uh, there's a lot of new people in church that Maybe they don't know all the same songs that we do, even songs that for us are, mm-hmm. you don't know that song? Mm-hmm. Well, for a lot of us who are listening to this podcast, we're professional Christians, mm-hmm. right? We, we listen to worship music for a living, but for them, it's the only songs I ever hear are the songs that I hear at church or maybe on the Christian radio station or the Apple mm-hmm. playlist or Spotify playlist that I have. Uh, do, do you say, hey, this is a new song or do you just lead it strong or what would be your... Thoughts on that? So many conversations through the years about this specific uh, bullet point. Like, do you let people in on this is a new song? Or I've heard it said that sometimes you can be in a room and if the worship leader says, oh, this is a new song, we want to teach it to you, then people feel uh, the excuse, they get mm. the excuse, the the free pass to just kind of check out. Sure. Oh, I, know, I don't know More this observe, one. observe, yeah. So I'm just going to like be a spectator. And... Uh, Without sounding so diplomatic, I think it comes down to knowing your congregation, knowing your people, even within our campuses. Mm-hmm. This is a layer of River Valley. Being able to travel around, travel around and lead to different places, get a knack. You get a feel for this particular group of people. They're just they're really open with new songs, mm-hmm. and it's really easy to teach them new songs, and they grab onto stuff. Um really quick. And then other places, even within River Valley Church, one church, go to a different campus and it's like, you really got to put some work and some care into teaching this song because for whatever reason, this particular group of people just has a hard time mm-hmm. grabbing new stuff. 
um, that just comes down to just having this, you know, this Holy Spirit awareness of the people that are in front of you every week. Mm-hmm. What, when you think about going to the beginning about writing, writing yeah. a song, uh, did a podcast a few months ago with Brewster and talked mm-hmm. about kind of a, the worship projects. And so for those who are interested, you can go back and listen to that kind of the whole start to finish. What are the things you need to think about from a, maybe an executive pastor standpoint or from a budget standpoint or a planning standpoint, but from the actual songs, songwriting, where do you start or, or how have you changed even over the 13 years of doing River Valley worship from this is my process. Has it remained the same throughout the 13 years? Has it grown, adjusted? What are things that jump out to you when you think about songwriting? Yeah, probably in the last five years, there was a shift, um, you know, where the years prior to that, that intersection, I would kind of just, whether by myself or with co-writers, kind of there with your instruments, kind of um, trickling through, sorting through melodies, kind of blabbering and trying to find something that feels right. And when it comes time to shaping that lyric, you're kind of just going off your own brain, your knowledge, your experience, and coming from a place of wanting the lyric to be deeper and stronger and more accurate. We started to like bring in like resources, books, and obviously the internet, just Googling and and researching. And it's kind of now like a song looks like like a research paper, you know, it's the thesaurus, the dictionary, the Bible commentary. And a lot of times I'll take the first 20, 30 minutes of a writing session and just whatever the topic is, you're, you're just writing, 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 creating this kind of starting document of all these different words, phrases, sentences, quotes, Bible verses that are all... Um, hovering around that topic that you're trying to write about. So then you have this page full of phrases and words. So when you start kind of trying to find words for that melody, you're pulling from these things that either stuck out to you or were impactful to you or just were interesting to you. And that creates a a quicker start um, for a songwriting session. So what I'm hearing is you could say, we want a song in the style of elevation with this scripture, with these words, and just throw it into chat GPT, <laughs> and it's going to spit out the next big hit. And, right? our, ta- and our time here is done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you used chat GPT for writing songs? I had someone do it while I was in the room. Like, mm. can you, I think the person said, write me a Christmas song, Christmas worship song or something like that. And the song was fine. Yeah. But... I'll be the first to say I don't think Chet, the AI isn't much of a songwriter quite yet. Yeah, we'll see if that changes. <laughs> see if that changes, particularly in, in the church. I mean, most songs are four chords anyway, so That's I mean, true. it's pretty simple in that respect. Talk, talk about the music side, right? You have the lyrics, which you talked about. There's a lot of research. There's a lot that goes in. Obviously, it should really come from our time with the Lord when you're writing a Christian song, hopefully. Um, there's, there is that joke, right? that a lot of worship songs can be played with the simple chords, but in the same way, it's because they need to be sung. Mm -hmm. They need to be sung by a lot of people who are not very musical, right? Have you felt that tension and wanting as an artist to create songs that are more complex musically, but having to rein it in or? Oh, hundred percent. Just every second of my life pretty much. (laughs) And I think, um, I think there's a place for all the different types of songs, but 
you know, thinking practically, what is your goal in the end? Or if you're a church, these are things that here at River Valley, we're even, we're always trying to re-up in these conversations, reanalyze where are we at? Have our goals changed as our bullseye shifted when it comes to church music? And, you know, if you want to resource other churches in any way, shape, or form, and that's part of your ministry is that these songs travel, migrate, get replicated other places, then you have to have that. Yeah accessibility in your brain. Um, not all churches have all the same resources, same um, pool of musicians. And so I, I do think there's something really, really special about, and it's really hard to do, really difficult, writing something that's fresh, telling the truth. It's smart. It's not just recycled. It's all those things. Plus, it's really easy for you know, not, not the average, but the, just the everyday musician or worship leader to grab onto, sing, teach to their congregation. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, and a lot of those songs, those are the songs that are, you know, have stood the test of time mm-hmm. over decades. So I think that's a very special, beautiful call and very hard to do. And then there's this other side of like just artists and creatives and they have a wide musical vocabulary and I think God honors and loves all that stuff too. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you're seeing this movement lately. I've been seeing it on different new artists up and coming. They call themselves devotional worship leaders, or mm. I create devotional worship music because hmm. they're they're realizing um, they want to write songs for God that tells the truth about Him, who He is, write theology. But maybe these aren't Sunday morning sure. applicable but they'll work for just people's everyday lives in the background when they're reading scripture, when they're praying. And I think there's something really beautiful about that. And I think being precise and concise with recognizing those different types of songs, I think they'll help. They'll help me. And um, Yeah, for for me as, as a bass player, right? yeah. um, some people know that, some people don't. But, I mean, we play together a number of times throughout the 100%. years. and. I think I played at all the campuses, and it's funny now. People are like, "I didn't even know you play bass." It's just crazy. I'm mm-hmm. like, "That's that was such a huge part of my life for ten years," crazy. and now there's people that don't even know that. Uh, but as a bass player, I always love gospel because I mean, those bass players mm-hmm. are just amazing, and the drummers and all that. And so, we love playing jazz and funk and everything. And gospel's got a lot of those roots in it. Um, and then at times, I'd be like, "Okay, so you're you're telling me that this song just sits on the one for half the song, <laughs> mm-hmm. and now I'm just here going away." And and so there there is that tension. But I, you you kind of see this blend of I mean, Maverick City was really a, a huge piece and blending together these two genres of like the CCM and and gospel. And obviously I think more people are grabbing a hold of, okay, we don't, the rules have changed, kind of mm-hmm. what you said. It, you don't have to do something anymore. Can you, what are your thoughts on just the kind of the walls have fallen down, the rules are changed, the gloves are off. People are open to, I mean, you look at ages, right? Some of these ages songs are getting on the radio that you would never think would make it on Christian radio before. And now it's, oh my goodness, it's on Christian radio. And then, you know, there's songs like Honest or others that are feel more pop songs that are being streamed and sung in youth groups. And it, it just, the rules are changing. Uh, how has that impacted you as a leader and a writer? I do think it's an exciting time for music, for church music. And without sounding so dramatic, I really do think this. <clears throat> I've been saying it to our, our crew and our circle of people for the last few months, I believe 
that this whole thing of modern worship, the way that it is fleshed itself out for the last 20 years, um, not that it's dying or crashing, but I think it's 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 ending. I think that movement is ending. And I think and I do think like with every ounce of passion inside of me that a new thing is coming. And so it's no surprise to me that at the end of what I perceive as this movement, you're starting to see all these genres blend together mm-hmm. and these rules change because it's like it's it's kind of the plane is landing and um it could feel a little daunting, but um, I guess I wouldn't want to be around for anything other than that. Like mm-hmm. a, a, a new thing is coming, a new movement's coming. And what is it? I don't know. I don't think anybody knows what it is, but I think that's what's excite, exciting about prophetic leadership is to recognize when a chapter is closing and just having that kind of Holy Spirit angst that something's coming around the corner. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I think we would all say we want to be a part of it, you know. For people who would maybe identify or even maybe they don't like the term, but the gifts that God's given them would be their creative or creative gifting. Often emotions comes into play in a lot of that, right? You look at songwriters and it's kind of the famous, uh, what is it like, I don't want to write you a love song because the record label asked for it. And she's like, I can't just make up a love song. And then it becomes this famous Mm -hmm. thing. Um, talk about as somebody who trusts the Lord. I mean, you read you read Psalms, right? David has a roller coaster of emotions. The psalmist, I mean, all of it is ups and downs. And God, you like, I need you to come near to me. Oh my goodness, I'm going to rejoice. Mm-hmm. Talk about those seasons in your own life of for people who don't understand it, they may call it writer's block. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as somebody who experiences it, there's moments where you feel that songs are just coming out every time you lead, God is doing a new thing. But then there's other moments where you're still required for your role to lead the congregation. But as somebody who's experiencing all that life brings, it can be difficult to lead through that challenge. And sometimes you feel like you hit a wall. What are ways throughout the years that you've overcome some of those things and maybe even some questions you still have? Yeah, you talk about prophetic leadership and, or just like the touch of the Holy Spirit on you as a leader. I think this is where you see that, a full picture of that, because um, <clears throat> many years, many seasons, I have kind of felt like an emotional wreck inside, good or bad. You know, a lot of people wouldn't have known that at the time, but just a lot of stuff going on inside. And uh, I just think, I I don't think we realize, specifically as creatives, but just everybody, I don't think we realize how much we overthink. Hmm. We don't just overthink a little bit. I think a lot of us, I'll just speak for me, I think there have been huge, wide seasons in my life where I've pretty much lived in the mode of overthinking, you know? And if you're in that rumination pattern where it's not just you have a thought in your head, but you take that thought and you squeeze the life out of it and it's with you morning, noon, and night, in the middle of the night when you wake up and when you're driving your car and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
it's like that voice becomes the loudest voice. It doesn't matter what the Lord has promised you. It doesn't matter about that prophetic word that you received from a trusted mentor in your life two months ago. It doesn't matter what the word of God says. It doesn't matter that moment that you remembered when you received your call and the, the path was set ahead of you and you had passion. You said, I'm going to go towards that goal. If you're in this overthinking mode, it's like it, it crushes all of those other important identif- uh, identity markers in your life. And so it's like, shut the brain off, honestly. I know that sounds like kind of black and white, but I think if I've sensed myself going to a writer's block type of zone, it's like, okay, what feeds my overthinking, first of all? My, anything that has to do with my phone probably does. <laughs> the, the game of comparison doesn't help. Shut all those things that feed my overthinking, shut them all down. And, you know, when you kind of do something subconsciously or without thinking or you're driving your car and 10 minutes goes by, you don't even know how you got there. You know, your mind just kind of went to this other place. That's how I try to stay out of writer's block. It's like guitar, piano, voice. Don't think. Just let it happen. Just Mm -hmm. create. Yeah. In those next 45 minutes, I'm not going to write a great song. I'm not going to worry about writing a good song. I'm not going to be worried about writing a church song or not. I'm just going to create. And you just, you keep those muscles warm. Mm -hmm. And all you need to do is create. And all you need to do is write a song. And you don't analyze, edit too soon. That's just like poison for an artist is you're trying to create and edit and analyze and finish and tweak all within the same hour. It's like, no, no one could do that. Or very few people can do that. Just create, you know, take, turn the brain off for people like us who play and sing. And it's like in you, it's in your blood. Just turn your brain off and just do it. Mm -hmm. And um, you will make your way out of that writer's block season quicker than you thought. Yeah, when you're describing that, it made me think of like battleships. And I'm sure I'm oversimplifying this, but like when when they get hit with a torpedo or when there's a hole in the ship, they actually have like flaps or gates that can shut so that the water doesn't seep into the rest of the ship. And we've all been there, whether we're creative or not, we've all been there in those situations where you realize poison has entered my mind, overthinking, doubt. Uh, anxiety, all of these things. And then it's how long I'm going to let this seep through my body. And then eventually if you let it fester long enough, that's where it turns into illness, really. Exactly right. Um, Talk about the importance of other people in the midst of those moments. Because, you know, there's obviously writing on your own, but then you've had the chance to write with artists from all sorts of worship teams all around the world. And in those moments when you're trying to be a member of a team, right? A co-write, maybe you're feeling that it's not flowing or maybe you've seen somebody else where you go, I've, I've written with you before and I've seen you at your best mm. and then you're struggling. How can other creative people lift up each other without feeling the temptation of that comparison, right? Because that, mm. that, that creeps in to, oh, well, Maybe I've just become a better writer than you, or mm. may, maybe I've become a better le- worship leader than you. And that's that's not where any of our minds should naturally go, but I, I'm sure that's something you deal with is, 
I'm pretty good. I'm pretty. Yeah, yeah, like, sure. Like, wow, I, I didn't realize how great I am. And yeah, yeah, sure. Oh my goodness, that's not what I wanted to think. Yeah, I, I think of that. Uh, you know, there's that classic phrase, uh, "This too shall pass," which people have used that in context with a lot of things. You know, but you think about, but it goes both ways. It's like you could be in a season where you're writing a million songs and you love all of them, and Oh, XYZ songs are starting to take off here. Or so-and-so really loves this song. Or when I play this song, lead it in church, it's a great response. And you kind of think, oh my, this is, I've mastered this. I've got like, I've arrived. Well, this too shall pass. Mm, yeah. If you keep doing it <laughs> long enough, there'll be a time where you, there should be a moment where all of a sudden, months later, um, where you're thinking, I'll I'll never be able to write a song ever again. You know, I've, I've, I'd have no more ideas. Doesn't feel fresh to me anymore, I, you know. And vice versa, you could be in those dark seasons where you're saying, "God, you must be done with me. Maybe this is my time to get off the train. This is my stop." Well, this too shall pass, mm -hmm. you know. Songwriting is so much like going to the gym or exercising, you know. Um, and you you want bigger biceps, you know? You go to the gym x amount of times, you know five or six times a week and work those muscles. And over time, the long arc says you'll see um, growth. Mm -hmm. And that's how songwriting is. And to to button up the question, the, the co-writing thing with, with church music is just gold because church music is hard to write. It's just hard. It's just a high difficulty, which makes it that more, much more rewarding. And to have multiple perspectives, life experiences, brains coming together on a song. Mm -hmm. It's this quick moving, uh, almost accountability. You know, you set three hours aside with somebody and you set it on a calendar where you're committed and you're committed for that three hours. So many times when we're on our own as creatives, it's like, all right, I'm going to write a song. And then 45 minutes in, you've, you've looked at Instagram for 40 minutes, <laughs> you know, of the 45. Yeah. Um, so even if it's, you're the same level uh, ability as your co-writers or they're better than you or they're not as experienced as you, just having that, mm -hmm. that sounding board right away, so-and-so does a verse, other person across the table, oh, what if you did this? Or I don't like that as much. You, it just keeps it moving quicker yeah. towards the goal of a finished product, finished song. Totally. That's, that's awesome. As we wrap this conversation up, what would be your encouragement when you look at this new wave that you're talking about, this new, you know, really experiences in worship where you don't know, like you said, you don't know what it is, but what is the mindset that you're having with even worship leaders on our team, the conversations, the creative team, as you're out writing across the country, that what, what would be your encouragement to people that their mindset as they're going into this new season where we're in the midst of transition, there's a lot of cool things happening, but it can also be scary. I would treat it as a very spiritual discipline. And what I mean by that, there are good songs, there are great songs, and then there are these God songs, you know? And no surprise, you can't write a God song on your own. And what do I mean by that? It's like, I knew a friend of mine who was like at the beginning of his year a couple of years ago, and he was like making his resolutions. And he said, he was talking to God and he's talking to the Holy Spirit and he said, you know, God, I want to, these are the types of songs I want to write for you, you know? And he heard the Holy Spirit answer back, no, 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 I don't want you to write songs for me. I want, I want to write songs together in mm -hmm. partnership. 
I want to write songs with you, mm. you know? And I think it's so easy to get into that mentality of, this is our church project. This is my worship album. These are songs I'm trying to write for our congregation. Lord, I just want them to be good enough. I want to prove whatever, X, Y, Z, that I'm, that I have this gift or that our church can do this. And, and we forget so much about this amazing supernatural partnership we have with God himself. He wants to be in on our creative work. And so treat it, treat it as such. Pray fast, give stuff up for weeks at a time. And then write songs, you know, let God, allow God, give God permission to breathe on your creativity. I do that sometimes better than others, you know, but when I'm doing that, I can feel myself being kind of in lockstep in obedience and being the type of creative person that God wants me to be. Mm -hmm. Well, I can attest that you live that out so mm -hmm. well. And I've loved this conversation. I know it's going to help too. a lot of people all around at churches all over the world. And uh, we'll do it again sometime. We'll, we'll shorten the gap between times that you should have been here and when you'll be here next. But Ryan, thanks so much for the conversation. Thank you, brother. And uh, it'll, we'll see you back soon. Absolutely. Absolutely.